Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by the best-selling author, Damon West, and player development coach, Stephen Mackey. This is the second episode that centers around their new book, The Locker Room, how teams heal hurt, overcome adversity, and build unity. This is a guide to building an inclusive culture on and off the playing field. It's also a blueprint for using grace, humility, servant leadership, and a willingness to listen to break down barriers and encourage difficult conversations within any organization. Spreading their locker room principles across the country, this duo is teaching how to more diplomatically deal with discrimination, differences, and prejudices in order to give everyone an equal voice, an equal chance at success through learning with humility and teaching with grace. This is a very powerful episode, and we're going to be talking about things like anger, which in most contexts we would think isn't a very productive emotion, but they're going to break down what they call anger rights and how anger, there's nothing wrong with it as long as it's kept within, I would say, like inside the fence, and that they're going to give us some guidelines on how to use it in a productive way to move things forward. And I think this is some great wisdom that everybody is going to benefit from. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Stephen, I want to ask you a question. There was a resounding theme in the book, The Locker Room, about grace and humility being like, to me, what I took away was the keys to forgiveness and unity. Can you double click on that for a minute? You bet. So as you think about humility and grace, there are these big words. I call them like they are they are the words that go at the on the on the walls of your locker room. They're the words that go in your email signature. These big ideas that are easy to talk about, but are very difficult to live out. Um, You think about humility, this sense that when you know who you are, You don't have to prove who you are, that it's not a devaluing of self, but it's an elevation of the other because I don't have to have the praise because I'm confident in me. Therefore, I can turn my focus away from my insecurity and my grip and my grab. And instead, I can open up my hands in service of someone else. Uh, That level of humility uh, in service, that level of humility in receiving correction that level of humility unlocks, uh, I believe, unlocks and removes the road bumps of pride that keep us from growth. You think about grace, that grace is receiving that which you do not deserve. Mm-hmm. And to give to someone of the best of you, even if they don't deserve it. If we just sit back and think about those two things. Tell me a situation in which two people who are committed to both grace and humility, giving the best of them for the one who may not deserve it, opening up your hands, not trying to prove that you're right, but coming with an attitude of service. How can we not overcome adversity and heal hurt if those are commitments and that's the attitude of two people? And so we place this in the locker room, a place where you might not expect to see it. But we show that, that those things, though they you know, kind of remind you of weakness and sound like meekness and there's no place for all of that, it actually takes great strength to live with humility and grace. Yeah, the word grace is not the word. I've never seen it in a locker room anywhere. <laughs> but I've seen servant leadership. You know, humility and grace aren't the words that you put 
next to a helmet that's about to go out on the battlefield. But you know what? It's exactly what what you need. There's a story in the book. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but there's a conflict between two key characters, somebody with authority and somebody that's a, a player. And there's a part in the book where the player's fighting himself on how he should respond to this authority figure. And I found myself being very similar. Just maybe think about um, I'm married. I've been married for almost 13 years to a wonderful woman. got three kids. But if you live with somebody long enough, guess what? There's going to be conflict, right? And there's times where you're like, I'm just going to be really honest. You're like, I want to stick it to him, you know? But then you're like, well, but you're like, no, that's not what you should do. You know, you have these internal <laughs> battles. You're like, maybe she's wrong and I'm right. And that's the moment that I need to show grace mm. or somebody hurts you or harms you. And instead of fighting back with violence and enforce, you come back with grace and humility. And there's another part of the book I'd like you to talk about where you talk about anger. Mm -hmm. being slow to anger. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So we talk about the anger rights and, mm -hmm. and anger can get a bad rap because a lot of damage can be done with anger. But we say you have the right to anger so long as you remember your anger rights and your anger rights are these three things that you have the right to be angry, but it's not right to get there too quickly. You have the right to be angry, but you don't have the right to be disrespectful and you have the right to have anger but your anger doesn't have the right to have you. And that if you remember these three rights, then you are qualified or you are allowed to have anger because anger, when it's kept in check, can be a force for good. But when you step outside those rights, you get there too quickly. Your anger leads you to disrespect. You lose control of it. Then it's like getting arrested for driving while you're drunk. Like you lose the right to drive when you get arrested for a DWI. Well, you lose the right to have anger when you break outside your anger rights. I'd never, I mean, I know the Bible verse, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. But I'd never heard about anger rights. And I read that and it was just like really stopped me in my tracks. And as I told you guys before the episode, I left my book on a plane. I'm going to have to buy another one because I, <laughs> I, I had this thing dog eared up because I'm like, these are principles I want to teach my kids. Damon, you've, you know, people on the blueprint have heard your story. You, you've overcome a lot in your life. Your story is phenomenal, taking ownership for some mistakes that you've made, but you also were wronged in some ways. Like, how have you applied this concept of anger rights to your to your life? Yeah, it's funny you said the thing about the plane. I want to hit on that too, man. Look, I'm hoping that the person that finds that book on that plane needs that book right now. You know, that's the way. Me too. That's the way I look at the world. Like, hey, that book was left there for a reason. Someone's going to pick that book up that needs it, and they're going to get this message. But yeah, look, my life. One of the things I try, I try to tell people all the time, and the message, one of the messages in this book is that we're greater than our biggest mistakes. You know, our past doesn't have to define us. And, and in order for us to move on from our mistakes, we have to accept the responsibility of the things we've done. Own that mistake. Make your amends. And that's what I've tried to do in my life. I learned this in my 12-step program recovery because when we work our steps, our 12 steps we talk about in AA – which I don't speak for AA, so the AA people out there don't get upset with me. I don't speak for AA, but what I learned in my principles of recovery is that there are going to be things that hold me back in life. These are things that are like resentments, their fears, their doubts, and everything that holds me back in life, that I play a role somewhere in each one of these things. That whenever I am disturbed, there's something wrong with me. Fears, resentments, doubts, what role do I play in that? 
That's the thing I have to find out because that's the only thing I can control. That's the thing that I can change. So I'll give you an example in my life, my backstory. I got 65 years in prison for organized crime. I was really resentful against the judge who I knew before the trial and we, we hung out before. And I thought Judge Snipes should have treated me better in my trial. I go to prison with this resentment against this judge and I'm angry. And I got into a program recovery and I learned about this thing called a personal inventory. And in this personal inventory, we find out that there's three basic instincts that control all of human behavior. Your instinct for social, to need to be accepted in society. Your instinct for security. Your security is for financial security. You know, your security to be a, a human being. And then your, your instinct for sex. And I'm not talking about sex in a bad way, but I'm talking about relationships that you have that are sexual in life. You're married. I'm married. We understand that. And everything we do in life affects one of these three instincts or all of these three instincts. That's the way we respond to human behavior because it affects these three instincts. And so when I got into recovery, I plugged in Judge Snipes to this personal inventory. First column was what it was that that my resentment, Judge Snipes. Next column, what instinct did it affect? Did it affect social? You bet. Go into prison and messes with your social life. You know, did it affect security? You bet. I've always wanted to live in a gated community, but not that kind of gated community, right? Did it affect my did it affect my sex instinct? Yeah, you bet, man. It better affect your sex instinct because there's nothing like that going on inside of a men's prison, you know? So, man, this resentment touched all three of these instincts that control all of my human behavior. But the last column, the third column, was the big question in the personal inventory. What role did I play? Well, I committed crimes. I broke into people's houses. I broke the social contract that says if you obey the rules of society, you can live in society. I did all of those things and ended up in Judge Snipes' courtroom. So why am I resentful against Judge Snipes for the things I did? That's when I started working on me because I can control my behavior. I can control my role in it. And that's what we want people to understand in this book, that when we focus on the things that we can control, the things that we think, we say, we feel, we do, then we can fix that part of our role, and we can become better citizens in the world we live in and better people to each other, better servant leaders. I absolutely love this. You know, Damon, when I first, when Mikado told me that I needed to meet you, you know, and I read your story and we connected, man, it really resonated with me. I know if it's impacted thousands of people. And then Stephen, now learning about the work that you're doing in schools, I'd love for you to share about that for just a second and how people can connect with that if they would love to have this character program integrated into their school. And then where can people get the study book that goes along with the locker room? Yeah, thanks, man. Mikado's my guy. Mikado, yeah. we go back uh, to about 2003, man, just salt of the earth, one of the most genuine best guys you can know. And in fact, you know, when I started Two Words Character Development, my company, it was actually based on the example of Mikado Henson because I looked at the work that he was doing at colleges and as a player development coach. Uh, and this was really before player development coaches were common in, in universities. And I looked at what Mikado was doing and I said, why can't high schools have that? And why can't middle schools have that? And the simple answer is resources, just the scale of it all. And it was just really difficult. And, and typically what happened at the secondary level 
is is if there was a youth minister or a parent or someone in the community that would volunteer their time, then they would have somebody that did some player development stuff. But there was nothing formal, structured. Um, and so I said, well, what if I could be the player development coach for every high school in the state of Texas? Uh, what, what would that look like? And that was January 12th, 2017, where I had the idea to start uh, two words, character development. Funny enough, that's a very important day in Damon's life as well. We were at two different parts of the state of Texas, had no idea each other existed. And on the same day, we both had a fork in the road, life changing. Mm. Our mission began on the same day. Five years later, we come together and now we're really great friends and, and partners on this book. But what started as an idea, January 12, 2017, over the last six falls has now grown. We're, we're the official character development curriculum of the Texas High School Coaches Association. I'm the official character coach uh, for the for the state of Texas and their coaches association. We get to serve schools across the country, and we we offer character and leadership curriculum uh, for the secondary, high school, and, and middle school um, athletic programs. We have. Uh, curriculum for non-athletes and we have an elementary curriculum for elementary PE. And so really, really proud of that. And then get to speak not only to teams, but to businesses alongside that. And so really proud of, of the work we've done. Really all the information of kind of everything that I do you can find at MackeySpeaks.com, M-A-C-K-E-Y, MackeySpeaks.com, also on Twitter at MackeySpeaks. And, uh, and you can find not only the locker room book, but also the locker room playbook, which is uh, based on the design of the curriculum that we use that over a thousand campuses in Texas use. But it's, it goes chapter by chapter and it gives a summary of the chapter, the key teaching points for that chapter a section for you as an individual to do some personal inventory and reflective work on how the ideas of this chapter impact you. It has a deep dive teaching where it goes the next step from those key ideas. We don't just rephrase what we talked about in the book, but we go the next step in that drop down menu, if you will. And then there's a section for, for you to meet with teams or friends and some exercises you can do and questions you can talk about with other people to start to build your own locker room. And that's going to be available November 16th, wherever books are sold. And so it's a great one-two punch to have the book, short, easy read, right alongside that companion guide curriculum that uh, that will help you not only internalize those lessons, but help you work with others to build your own locker room. Guys, this has been phenomenal. I'm super excited about the impact that you're going to have. We'll put all this in the show notes. People definitely, you need to get the book. You need to get the curriculum. It's going to impact people's lives. If anything today touched you about how grace and humility are the keys to forgiveness and moving our society forward, this is something that you need to check out. So guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks a lot for having thank us, you. Eric, man. It's always great to talk with you, brother. Hope we can do it again soon. 100%. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you learned something today about grace or humility or anger rights, please consider taking a picture of the podcast art and sharing it on social media. And then make sure to tag me and then write like what was insightful and what impacted you. I know this may impact somebody else. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.